0: Hey guys, welcome to the MOV podcast, Maddo videos by Kach. Uh, this is episode 20. Uh, just the last episode, we had uh, Ernie Santrali, uh, the multimedia content manager at Active Campaign. Uh, and, and we had made the announcement that we also have another person from Active Campaign today, uh, and that is Eric Treshfield. Uh, before I get him on board, I just uh, Uh, want to just set the context for the episode. Uh, So we're going to be talking a lot about uh, partner marketing today. Uh, What is partner marketing? What are the benefits? What are uh, uh, things that you should look at finding the right partner when you sort of collaborate on your marketing efforts? Uh, What are the advantages uh, that you can sort of uh, get when, when you sort of do a partnership uh when in your marketing efforts uh of course we'll also be looking at a few videos uh in the partnership marketing efforts at active campaign but not just that we also have a few uh interesting uh case studies that we will talk about uh of brands outside of uh the company that eric belongs to uh because these are brands that you i everybody loves right uh, so that's uh, the conversation, and uh, without uh, much ado, I will add to the conversation, uh, Eric. Uh, hi, Eric. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, Pranav. How are you? Thanks for having me on.
0: I'm very well. Thank you so much for taking time out uh, and joining us. We to uh, like um, it's it's what uh, it's closer to the holiday season uh, uh, there in America uh, this this weekend. Uh, uh, India celebrates uh, a festival called Diwali, the festival yep. of light. So uh, again, it's everybody is in the festive mood, um, and and we're still working, so we can see the hustle. And uh, I'm glad that you could take time out and join us for this episode.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure.
0: Awesome. So, uh, Eric, uh, I would like to start off uh, by uh, like understanding a little bit about you, uh, about your background. Uh, where you come from, uh, how, and, and and your current role at Active Campaign. What sort of uh, roles and responsibilities that? Uh,
1: so. Sure, absolutely. So we'll start. We'll start with the current uh, at, at Active Campaign. I am their strategic partner marketing manager, and essentially I am responsible for the company's relationship with Salesforce, uh, both from a partner perspective as well as the relationship with the salesforce community and all of the members of the salesforce community so so what that really means is my focus is figuring out ways that salesforce and active campaign can co-market and drive messages and drive customers together but also to to better engage with the salesforce community and all of the people within that community and get them interested in what active campaign can do for their companies
0: absolutely uh i think before we uh, go on uh, and deep dive into uh, the topic of partner marketing uh, the first thing that as a as a person who is uh, leading co-branded efforts with uh, a particular brand the first thing that you need to do is be passionate about that product about that brand uh, and and that uh, that is something that i want to ask you how uh, why do you like Salesforce, first of all, and and why are you so passionate about this uh, so much so that uh, you have been named and nominated as the uh, MVP uh, of like Salesforce and MVP for like a bunch of years consecutively?
1: Yeah, actually since 2013 uh, through this year. And then they, they put me into the Hall of Fame, uh, which is essentially MVP for life. So. I got involved with Salesforce a little over ten years ago to start, and stumbled into a job that went from being a call center agent to helping this particular company launch Salesforce. Uh, I knew nothing about Salesforce at the time, uh, and and when I, I lucked into the role, the the hiring manager was was over the call center that I was currently working in, and she basically said, "You know, I've I've looked at your." performance in the call center. I've looked at your previous work history, uh, which included uh, working at corporate offices of major retailers, uh, an airline, uh, a couple of hospitals and a few other places. Uh, and she said, you know, we, we want to launch this new platform to run the call center. Um, and I think you're the person for the job. And she said, so I want you to help us roll out Salesforce. And my reaction to her was, well, what's Salesforce? I've never heard of it. And um, I mean, but at that point in time, I had barely heard of CRM. I I was using one on the job because we logged our calls in a CRM system, but it wasn't Salesforce. Um, And the first thing then she said when I got on the job in that role was, um, you know, sorry, Eric, we can't really afford to send you to training. So you, you need to connect with local people who are already using Salesforce. Find a user group near you and get connected to the people that are already using it and just learn what you can organically. And so I started looking around uh, for for user groups in the area. And the closest one was two and a half, three hours away. So then over the next probably six months or so, I'd spend a day or two a month driving six hours round trip or even as far as Chicago, which was a 12 hour round trip. Uh, So I spent the night uh, in Chicago for that one, uh, just going to user group meetings and meeting people who were using Salesforce And the very first thing that happened to me when I walked into that very first user group meeting was I was greeted like they already knew me and that they wanted to help me understand what it was I needed to do, what my challenges were, how to solve them. It felt like I was part of a family Uh, just from from that very first meeting. I I felt like I belonged there and everybody really genuinely wanted to know what were my struggles and how could they help me solve them. And that feeling hasn't changed over the last 10 years. It's just gotten more intense. Uh, And as the the Salesforce community has grown, um, I've gotten more involved in it. I launched a local community group here in my city uh, after about a year. Uh, And then about a year after that, I started a community-led Salesforce conference uh, that unfortunately has been hit by COVID like a lot of things this year and is not taking place. Uh, but, But that event has been in Chicago for six years or so. Uh, with anywhere between five hundred and nine hundred people attending, we're hoping things settle down for twenty twenty one, and we can host it again in, in Minneapolis this year, uh, but or next year, I mean. But we'll see how that goes. So, absolutely, I think I think it's such a brilliant community that Salesforce has
0: built, uh, and I've got to see uh, uh, the responses of the people uh, who are a part of that community. and And we have a video that uh, we could play uh, for the audience as well. That shows uh, the love that they've been able to, the brand love that they've been able to cultivate uh, in these things. And and, uh, yeah, before we get into that, uh, I'll quickly play the video for everyone.
1: Being a Salesforce MVP is not first about trying to be an MVP. It's really about first trying to give back make a difference in your local community. It's about helping others accelerate. It's about lifting others to teach them about the platform. To
0: me, to be an MVP, it means to be an unselfish leader in the community. And it's not that you're being recognized for just the things that you do. You're being
1: recognized for the heart and soul that you bring into the community. Being a Salesforce MVP means being accessible to other members of the community to help them solve problems. And it doesn't necessarily mean I need to know all the answers. I'm the connector. So I'm a few degrees of separation away from all the answers or all the people that know.
0: Yeah, so that was a glimpse of that. And uh, like we caught on to your interview there as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and probably for the last three or four years, because of the the. The number of people i know within the ecosystem and and how easily accessible i am and how i can connect people to others who might actually have the answers they're looking for um, people have kind of nicknamed me the kevin bacon of the salesforce ecosystem um, because if if they need to know who knows anything about a specific piece of the platform if they can't figure it out on their own, they come to me and I usually know somebody that is the right person or I know someone that knows someone who's the right person.
0: Um, yeah, you, you really have to be a people person, don't you? Like when, when it comes to being uh, involved in a community, trying to like make these connections.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: You're like a walking uh, Yellow Pages book, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, that thinking, thinking back a little bit, when I first got into the Salesforce community, I, I kind of considered myself an introvert I was usually the, the quiet person who would sit in the back of the room and just observe and, and try not to get into conversations with people. And something about this community just kind of cracked the shell and brought me out of it. Uh, and now I'm I, I mean, I've presented a Dreamforce many years in a row, um, wow. several different sessions on a couple of times. Um, I mean, I, I do podcasts and things like this quite often now and, and just really enjoy Meeting people and talking to them and finding out what their story is and how I can help them.
0: Absolutely, but I think I think uh, this this conversation is interesting. I don't want to move on to the next point before getting to know what was the transition like because a lot of people have that of uh, like uh, fear of possibly approaching a new person and and uh, marketers typically cannot afford to be that right. You cannot uh, you have to have conversations right and and marketers and sales professionals need to have conversations for earning their bread. So uh, you, how do you go from uh, like a person behind the phone uh, and and who's comfortable uh, uh, like behind a screen to also uh, connecting with someone face to face and and uh, like like having conversations and not just being a guy who's open to just approaching someone. Now you're making connections and you're making more people meet each other. So what has that transition been like? What is the process that? Uh, has gone behind uh, your
1: transformation. Yeah, you know, I, I think in a way that was almost accidental. Um, I mean, when when I launched the community-led event Midwest Dream and I I, yeah. I did it, I, I jokingly say I did it for purely selfish reasons because I missed Dreamforce the first year I was in the Salesforce platform. So I decided yeah. I wanted to bring Dreamforce to me um, right. by by creating this event and and finding sponsors and getting people to show up for it. I, yeah. I and then running the event by myself, I quickly learned that was really the wrong way to do it because I was too busy focused on the event and making sure it ran properly to actually get out and enjoy the people that were there. So when I, the second or third year rolled around with Midwest Dream, I, I had a team helping me and it made it a lot easier. Um, there were people I met through the community. They were also community group leaders or MVPs in the Midwestern part of the U.S. as well. And as, yeah. as a team, we've built this event into the thing it is today. Uh, but, you know, back back to your question about how do you get out there and meet people and how do you get over that fear, if you will? Um, it, it's almost you almost have to force yourself to do it the first time. But once you make that very first connection, your your mind is going to realize that wasn't so scary. The very first time I presented Dreamforce, I was standing on the stage with the co-presenters uh, waiting for the time to start. The The audience was filling up in the room or 150 or so people in the room. And I was sweating bullets and my stomach was doing somersaults and I was terribly nervous. But as soon as I started talking and, and saw people in the audience connecting to me with their eyes and, and shaking their head as I was making points, I quickly realized they came to hear what I needed to say and they wanted to be there because of what I wanted to say. And so all of a sudden all those fears and all those nerves just ended and it was it was amazing. I mean, just even though I was on stage and I didn't know their names personally, at least some of them, um, just realizing they were engaged with me and listening to what I wanted to say was was very empowering to me to, to calm those fears and and make it so I wanted to, to do that more.
0: I mean, very beautifully put, because uh, I, I think I, I love the point that you made about uh it's 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 being in your head, right? You're thinking that okay, whatever I'm going to say, is it going to be uh, good enough for people, etc. I mean, uh, you might be undermining yourself there, but then there are people out there who want to listen to you, who want to possibly learn from your mistakes, from your insights. Um, so, I mean, uh, the only way to do it is go and go out there and show up, right? And yeah. uh, unless you do that, it's not going to
1: work out. Yeah, I, I think. Um I think it was Wayne Gretzky, the hockey player, who once said, the, the only shot you'll miss is the ones you never take.
0: Absolutely. That's such one of my favorite quotes. In fact, like, thank you for bringing, like, bringing that up. Uh, coming to the point of like, the reason why I asked this question was uh, the, this podcast and, and uh, the the love that we uh, have at Madure Videos is about video. And then Video is something that uh, like also sends chills down someone's spine, right? When it comes Mm -hmm. to like being on camera, how do you uh, like get in front of the camera, put yourself out there? Uh, It's so, so much so that uh, even before I started this podcast, I had to spend about a month or two convincing myself whether I should do this or not. But today we are at episode 20. That is proof that, okay, once you start doing it, you start enjoying the process, Right. Right. but I want to know, uh, because uh, being in the community, being in partner marketing uh, field, uh, you have to use a lot of videos. I want to know why is Eric mad over videos? Why do you love videos?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's it's a different experience than just a podcast uh, where where it's audio only or where you're just reading a blog post. And And the biggest thing about videos is you can see the people, you can see their facial expressions, you can watch them get excited about the things they're talking about. And, and you can't get that any other way. I mean, sure, a podcast, you can probably hear it a little bit in their voice, but you miss the you miss the eyebrows going up. You miss the hands going all over the place um, and you miss you, you miss the smiles to some extent, although, you know, some people say you can hear a smile. So when you're talking to someone, make sure you smile. But the, the physical view of what you're doing in the facial expressions really says a lot more than just the inflection in your voice. And and you can't get that anywhere other than videos or live and in person.
0: Absolutely. So I I have been uh, like following the Active Campaign channel and their uh, marketing efforts when it comes to video specifically. Uh, I've uh, like picked a few videos that we will dive into uh, that uh, we've done uh, at Active Campaign and and sort of break them down. Uh, as well. Uh, but before that, we'd like to talk a little bit about the topic of partner marketing. Uh, first of all, you as a company, as active campaign, have a bunch of integrations uh, and, and you partner with a bunch of brands. Mm-hmm. Right? But it is not always possible to uh, have like a co-marketing effort with every single brand. Because you need to understand and and sort of come together on the same page sort of have your frequencies matched uh, and, and your goals matched. Uh, so I, I want to know, I want to throw this question to you. Uh, how do you find the right partner to have your co-market?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, and certainly, like you said, not every partner is going to be a good fit um, because of various reasons. Um, but, you know, the, I think the way we at Active Campaign try to view this more is what's right for our customers And we try to figure out how we can then build partnerships around the things that are going to help our customers the best. So, for example, Shopify, uh, you know, that's a big e-commerce platform. Uh, A lot of our customers are small to medium sized businesses and they use Shopify. Um, So for us to partner with Shopify is very important for them because then our customers can use both Shopify technology and the active campaign technology to both grow their business and improve their, their performance as a company.
0: Absolutely. Uh, talking about Shopify, I have the uh, video in front of me. I'd like to play that before we dive into uh, like the partnership with, within the two banks.
1: Active campaign, I, I found it very easy to integrate with Shopify. It's just a, a couple clicks, and you're and you're synchronized. And it's always working in the background, collecting data from Shopify. So, what we've done through Active Campaign is we've used an automation to capture people who abandon cart before they even get to the checkout. It sends them an email Hey, you've left some great sound in your cart, you know, and it shows the items that they've left. I feel that Active Campaign has brought a lot of people back to the website. And I can say that the website is a selling machine. All I have to do is get people to show up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I think I,
0: they. I mean, I, no. Yeah.
1: Please go on. I, I was going to say I, I think the the one point that he made that that really hits home is you can you can get people's attention before they finalize their purchase or while they're still while they've paused on their purchase and they're deciding about things by saying hey you left this stuff in your shopping cart and you can pull them back into the transaction and you can get them excited about why they looked at it in the first place and and we have i mean we we've had customers who have told us once we implemented some of the automations and the technology that active campaign has to offer we've seen our abandoned cart rate drop significantly like 30 30 to 70 percent drops in abandoned carts which you know that that all equates to more revenue for that company and more business and and helping to build a loyal customer for those those companies absolutely
0: this is i mean it is a no-brainer right uh, like the part the integration uh, helps, like both the brands. Uh, it helps the customers of both the brands, and there are incremental sales uh, because of the integration. Right. So it's it's not just that. So it, it's when it it's so simple. You just have to tell the right story in the right manner. Uh, this is why uh, this integration really uh, makes your life easier uh, than having two disjoint uh, experiences a combined experience. Yep. And,
1: and that's what, that's kind of part of what you and Ernie talked about yesterday on, on your episode with him, where, where we help you have the right conversation with the right people at the right time.
0: Correct. Correct. So uh, that said, I'd also like to jump into the next integration that uh, uh, I really, I really caught my eye. Uh, that is with Zapier. Uh, for those who might not know, Uh, Zapier is uh, again a task automation uh, uh, tool and uh, I'd like to play the video before we jump into uh, the conversation about that. Zapier is an online tool that is used to connect two or more applications and automate workflows. You can use Zapier to connect ActiveCampaign with thousands of pieces of software. These connections are called Zaps. A Zap is a workflow that connects your apps. A nice part about using ActiveCampaign and Zapier is that we use a lot of the same language when talking about building workflows. For example, Zaps begin with triggers and take actions to automate. A trigger is the event that starts a Zap. For our use case, triggers are events that happen in ActiveCampaign. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that, that's... So I, I... zapier (laughs) go ahead yes please go Uh, okay i was sorry i was gonna say zap zapier is a really amazing partner uh, because they they integrate with so many different things uh, and and that helps our customers have the the ability to do that and the flexibility to pick and choose how they want to to proceed with their business and what things they want to want to automate and and improve on
0: correct correct so i mean see I i think we've seen we've picked two different uh, sort of partnerships here uh, and, and and co-branded efforts here. Uh, one of which uh, has somebody from Active Campaign, whereas uh, in the other video we have someone from outside of Active Campaign. And this is the point that I wanted to uh, also bring out. One of the beauties of partnerships like these is that you can engage and leverage uh, uh, subject matter experts from both the brands when it comes to like coming out with
1: a piece. Absolutely right that's so that's so true and and that that third party validation if you want to kind of call it that uh, is what really helps drive your customers to see the value in what you do i mean we can talk about our own product all day long uh, but but if they hear it from somebody who's using our product rather than straight from us they're going to realize oh yeah this 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 is a guy who's in a business very similar to me uh, or or something like that and they see the value in what this product does and that's going to create more interest uh, and, and make them really want to see uh, what Active Campaign can do, what our partners can do for their business. And they'll want to dive in deeper and, and start playing with the tool and, and see, yeah. see how things go. Yeah,
0: it, it, it really goes back uh, into how humans behave in general, right? I mean, uh, you cannot go about uh, talking highly about yourself and ensure that everybody out there will believe you, right? You uh, Only when other people talk good about you is when uh, the word spreads. Uh, how much I will try to shove it down people's throats, people won't take your word for it. Uh, they have to hear it. This is this is human behavior, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, nobody wants a sales pitch. I mean, even if you're out there looking for a product, you don't really want to sit through a sales pitch. You, you'd rather hear about it, experiences that other people have had with that particular product or that particular brand. I mean, think, think about brands you and I use every day in our personal lives um yeah. the things we eat and drink the types of vehicles we drive where we stay when we go to a hotel i mean all of those things are driven by the experiences that our friends and our family have had and other people that we know that do travel and things of that nature that help guide us in the right directions to experience those brands
0: yeah yeah i think i think you've hit home with that statement because uh, even when it comes to b2b it's it's a person on the other side that you're Having the conversation with it's not a machine, so right. he, it, it's a common notion that when when somebody wears a, a blazer or a suit, uh, he might uh, like behave differently, but uh, deep down inside, he also has the same sort of behavior that a regular person has, and and is going to uh, also behave in those. Uh, in in similar ways, so we uh, as marketers have to also understand that uh, they have their own set of emotions, they have their own set of cultural beliefs and and uh, uh, interaction patterns, uh, and and that is why you need to sort of adapt your messaging and your uh, ways to sort of like get their attention, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and that's one of the things I think the active campaign platform helps businesses do really well is to personalize those interactions so that you you don't get the emails where the integration didn't work. And it says, dear first name, you, you, you read these emails you get and it feels like it's actually a person behind the scenes who's reading it to you or who has written it for you and exclusively you and, and active campaign technology really does that because it has the ability to, to, to view all the data, to track the, where the customers have been looking at what they've been seeing. I mean, and, and, put together a story that will make sense for them and your story and what you do is going to be totally different than mine. And so active campaigns technology allows for that and, and accommodates for the personalization of those things.
0: Okay. So I, I want to talk about uh, a few fundamentals when it comes to partner marketing, right? Uh, when the first thing that comes to my mind is establishing mutual goals right when you select a partner you need to have uh, the goal setting done when you, involving both the parties equally in in sort of setting the goals for the campaign uh, whether it be uh, lead generation whether it be revenue streams that are shared uh, you, you have to sort of come onto the same page uh, and 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 put these out uh like transparently so that there is no Uh, uh, gray space when it, like after the campaign, ends. how do you sort of do that? Like what, what, how, how do you sort of ensure that there is complete transparency and outright before you start?
1: Yeah. And that's, that's a fantastic point because neither party in the, in this partnership is going to want to be surprised by anything that happens except perhaps success. I mean, they, they'd love to get more success than they were anticipating. But I, I think the, the way that you can can get to that that collaboration where everybody starts on the same page, it, it's a matter of communication. It's a matter of, of building a relationship with those people. Uh, like you said, everybody within a business is an, is an individual first. So you've got to meet with, with those people individually, get to know what they're all about, what they're passionate about, in addition to what their company is all about, of course, and how that two marry together. And then jointly, uh, both sides of that, that conversation need to have the, the, the strength of of conversation and motivation to figure out here's what I know you're after. And here's what we're after. And you got to figure out a way to make them marry together. And ultimately I think in reality, most organizations that are, that are B2B, um, they want their end customers to succeed, so we all kind of have that same goal and that same focus on what's our end customer going to do. Because when they succeed, and we all succeed.
0: Hmm. True, true, very true. But uh, this is just one part of it, right? I mean, there has to be also transport, uh, like transparency in reporting back uh, the data after the campaign. Like, uh, what what are the uh, common things? I mean, uh, let's talk about your. Uh, co-branded efforts with, say, uh, Salesforce, for that matter. Whatever campaigns that you've gone ahead, like how have you ensured that the right data or the uh, uh, metrics that you had decided uh, at the onset of the uh, partnership are reported back efficiently and and uh, so that, like you said, there are no more surprises.
1: Yeah. So the partnership with Salesforce is probably a little bit unique. Uh, compared to other companies, because salesforce is has been out there for so long and and generally does things really well. Uh, I mean, they're they're a really large organization. they're well run. they've got a great marketing team. Um, their Their app exchange program, for example, is is where a lot of companies get their start in the Salesforce ecosystem from a partnership perspective. And Salesforce has made it pretty easy for partners like us to figure out what we want to do with them. They, they create various programs that they offer to partners so you know exactly what's going to happen from the Salesforce side. They, they have metrics built into it that we can access just by logging into their partner portal. We can see how our own App Exchange listing is performing, how many clicks we're getting, how many new leads we get. Uh, who's who's hovering over a specific logo or something within the app exchange listing, and and wow. and we can track all of that data, and that can help us figure out what's working from that perspective and what's not, so we can tweak things and then modify the way we have our listing. Um, I mean, SEO is a big deal, not only on Google searches, but it also plays a role in what Salesforce has built around with their app exchange as well, and those are things that that because of the data they share with us around the performance, we can help optimize.
0: Absolutely. I think, uh, like you said, Salesforce is such a mature brand uh, that uh, their partnership with you is gonna be different than most SME partnerships that you might have, right? Uh, That said, it's very important that uh, before you start on with the partnership, you understand the tier you sort of segment your uh, goals and 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 also the allocations uh, of efforts and resources to that uh, uh, to those efforts. When it comes to uh, early players, I don't like again. I'm, I might be wrong here, but then I don't think it's such a safe thing to do uh, by by uh, agreeing to have revenue uh, sharing of of the top. But uh, you could go for something a little more safer, which is possibly lead sharing. Uh, What are your thoughts? like? How how should small enterprises look at partner marketing versus large enterprises?
1: Yeah, you know, there's definitely a difference in the mindset you have to have between a smaller organization and a larger one, Um, just because generally speaking, smaller companies may not be as well-funded, or they may be bootstrapped, so they really have to be careful with the money that they're spending. Um, so you, the, the smaller organizations need a better understanding and, and a much clearer vision, I think, of who their ideal customer is, what they're looking for, and then how to drive that message to them. And from a partnership perspective, I, I think what that translates into is exactly where you were going was Will will drive new leads that are going to benefit us and our partners. So we'll share that information with them. Maybe as we get a little mature, more mature as a company, as we grow, as we as we improve our finances or whatever, um, maybe we can start a revenue sharing program further down the line um, right. and and work into that. But I think from a from the very small organizations. I mean, some of the companies we help are two person companies. I mean, it, it's a husband and a wife running a small business together. And and that's their entire livelihood, and their entire family rests on how that business performs. So it's really important for us to make sure they succeed. So we we do everything we can to help those organizations figure out who their customers really are and grow that business.
0: I'm I'm really happy that you look at it that way, Eric, because uh, it's it's eventually uh, the outcomes that you generate for your customers is what your success depends on, right? I mean, especially when it comes to like. These couples, like you just mentioned, it just takes me back to like few of the episodes that you see on Shark Tank because they put their entire livelihoods behind that business, and and uh, they they could hit bankruptcy if that fails, right? So, right, uh, it's, it's a it's a lot to like really handle. It's it's a big risk that you guys also uh, have at your end to ensure that they are succeeding at the end of it.
1: Yeah, and but the but the benefits of doing that, you know, if if you if you provide what your customers really need and they see benefit from it, your customers are gonna talk about it. They're gonna become your advocates and that's gonna help you grow. And and then of course, you know, some of the things we do, and you you played one of the videos where it had a customer of ours on there. Customers are gonna talk about us. Uh, which is going to help us grow as well. Not only help their customer, help that particular client of ours grow. It's going to help our business grow because it's someone else talking about us. And and that's, that's part of the marketing cycle almost it, uh, that you want to do with your customers. You want to take them from a lead to an opportunity to a, a purchase. Then you want to get them really ingrained into your product and utilizing it fully and seeing the benefit. And then the, the next step after that is turning them into an advocate. Where they're out yeah. there saying, "I did this because of Active Campaign. I've succeeded because of what they've helped me do," and yeah. hopefully, yeah. then they'll say, "And you can do that too," to, to one of their friends who's running a small business or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I like like you said, evangelism is the best form of advertising. That's what I feel because uh, I mean, it's it's free press, right? Uh, yeah. You don't have to spend a dollar to get there. It's it's just uh, the the heart and soul that you pour in. Uh, much before uh, to lead to their success. And once that happens, they are going to be an epicenter of like uh, marketing for your own brand. Right. So that is something uh, which, which I also really love. Uh, and and thank you for bringing that out in that answer. But I'd also like to take you back uh, to another point that you made is uh, you're talking about say uh, co-branded efforts. You're also talking about investing money into these efforts. Right. Uh, it is very important that the leadership believes uh, in in these efforts and and sees the value. Uh, Unlike uh, when you partner with a large uh, organization like Salesforce, where they have deeper pockets, it's easier to sort of allocate funds to such activities, whether it is a video that you're producing, whether it is uh, offline activity that you are organizing. Uh, It's uh, important that... uh, or, or most of the times it's very important that you as a uh, person who's running that campaign is able to convince your, uh, uh manager or your boss. Uh, and, and in this case, I'd like to know, uh, uh Maria has been, uh, uh, a person that really started to, uh, the CM of active campaign, uh, before we, uh, like started with these, uh, interviews and, uh, she happened to, uh, like mentioned about Eric, uh, about uh, Ernie and you. So uh, how has how that relationship been? Uh, how difficult or easy it is to go and convince uh, the head of marketing to <laughs> sort
1: of uh, allocate funds when it comes to... You know, I, I first met Maria back in 2014 when she was working for Marketo. Uh, and and I was, was running the Midwest Dreamin Conference back then. And she was one of the speakers at Midwest Dreamin. And... She's been a marketer, I mean, probably as far as I know, all her life and even even when she was a teenager, she was probably involved in marketing somehow. Um, but I, I got to know her through that process and kind of see who she is as a person and the way she thinks. Um, and then at Dreamforce 2014, uh, I, I saw a demo of some products of a company called Aptus where Maria then was actually the, CA, the uh, Senior Vice President of Marketing. Um, and I, I fell in love with what I saw at Dreamforce around Aptis, and started conversations with the company about wanting to go work for them. So then, after a, a year or so of those conversations, I ended up on the marketing team at Aptis, working with Maria, in, in a role very similar to the one I have right now with her again here at Active Campaign. Um, but it was an interesting conversation I remember Maria and I having, where where. I guess technically it was during part of the job interview process, but to me it felt like a conversation. Maria said, You know, Eric, we're we're the marketing department. You know what marketing's all about. It's all about getting messages to your customers and, and getting customers to talk about you and, and gaining new customers and making sales and things like that. And Maria said, So tell me about your marketing experience. And and I kind of got this flushed look on my face. And I imagine I turned three different shades of red when she asked me that. And I said, I don't have any. I said, I've been a business analyst or a systems analyst or an accountant or or a financial analyst, but I've never done marketing. And Maria looked at me and she said, no, Eric, you're totally wrong. I said, what do you mean? And she said, how long's Midwest Dream been going on? When did it start? Who started it? How many people now attend it? And it, it wasn't until Maria pointed out to me that, that I marketed that event. And that's why it's grown into what it has today. That I, Then I suddenly realized, oh, yeah, I am a marketer. She still hired me for a marketing role, even though I told her I didn't have marketing experience. But she saw it in me. Um, so when it when my transition over to Active Campaign came around, it was another one of those coincidences. I think, although maybe some people don't think there are coincidences. I was out looking for a new job at that point in time because the the company I was at was really hit hard by COVID, and sales were really slow, and we had to make some cuts. Uh, and and in that particular company, I was not a direct billable resource to the clients. So I was the easiest one to cut because it didn't impact the end customers. Um, and, and I was part of that decision. I was part of the leadership team there. So I knew, I knew it had to be done. So I basically told that company, okay, I'm going to walk away, but I'm going to help empower you all to keep doing the things that I've been doing. So they're still doing what they need to, and they're growing a little bit more now. Unfortunately, they're seeing a little recovery. But when I was in my job search process, I didn't think about active campaign, I didn't think about talking to Maria. I don't even realize, I don't even think I knew she was at Active Campaign uh, until she sent me a message on LinkedIn. And it was a pretty short message that just simply said, Hey, Eric, here's where I'm at today. Here's what Active Campaign's all about. I'm looking for somebody similar to you to take a role like the one you had at, at Aptus when I first hired you there. Do you know anybody who might be interested? So Maria was trying to leverage me as a connector again, like a lot of people. Use me as a connector to help them solve problems, and my response back to Maria was, "Hi, I'm interested. That sounds fantastic." Uh, and the thing that that really drew me in, probably even before I did enough research to realize what Active Campaign was about, was that it was Maria. And she's got a great track record. Almost every single company she has worked with, that I, since I've been aware of her, has done really well. They've performed well. They've done IPOs, perhaps, and and done them some really big things. So when Maria came to me and said, I've got this job that I really think I need your help to fill, my mind said, I'm the guy to fill this job. And so, of course, we had some conversations. I met with the marketing team, and the rest is history. Um, but, you know, in that process of, of interviewing for the role and talking to everybody, I learned all about active campaign and figured out what the company all about and what their software is all about. And... In a in a little bit earlier stage of my life, my wife was a small business owner, and we didn't have a tool like that, and it was a struggle for us to find new customers, and so so everything about Active Campaign and how they relate to their customers really resonated with me personally as as the co-owner of a small business that that unfortunately didn't do very well uh, that we ended up shut it, shutting it down after a couple of years of trying to make it work, and then I think. If we knew about Active Campaign back then, that business would probably still be up and running uh, because of the the value we would see from that and the things that it would have done for our customer base. So the, the combination of knowing Maria and then learning all about Active Campaign is what really drew me in and got me excited.
0: Thank you for sharing this story. I think uh, this this just reinforces uh, my belief in in having good interpersonal relationships, whether it is with your coworkers, whether it is with your partners, whether it is with your customers. I think these relationships go a long way and and you could possibly uh, not uh even have an expected outcome like you said like it it, it can be anything at the end of yeah. the day uh, th- these do come to your rescue so it's it's very important to have uh, good relationships
1: and you know i i don't think i actually answered your question though I, I think your question was what's it like to go to senior management and ask them for money to do something marketing related um my my very that first video.
0: I I mean I would like to because video is such a uh a latent. There's so much latent demand for video that uh that it, it's just been the last few years where you see the adoption go up a little uh specifically in the B two B space uh because it it was always about white papers or or long form articles and, mm-hmm. and and webinars. But I think you're looking at uh like like digitization of businesses that is happening in in uh every uh, field and then video is something that is now so easy to consume and 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 there's no uh i don't think so there is uh, a second thought to uh video being in your marketing mix anymore
1: right that's that's true i mean we, we all have a, a a phone a video studio in our hands or in our pockets now so it, it's very easy for anybody to do it um even if they're not necessarily associated with a brand or working for a company that that produces a product, I mean, just you know the 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 real the really recent viral video that went out there with the guy on the skateboard drinking cranberry juice. I mean, that's that's a story unto itself right there. Uh, he was just having I fun. And about this, uh, on the previous episode,
0: uh, Ernie also took this like, same example.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, video, like it's it's definitely the way to go. I think today to deliver a message really well. Uh, I mean. Yeah. So I, but
0: you were answering, and I did interrupt you uh, in in your answer uh, towards getting the uh, allocations done. And I wanted to specifically ask for videos, uh, like uh, campaign video-led campaigns. What what has been your experience where it is going to pitch a campaign to your senior management?
1: You know, I, I think the 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 key thing about videos, campaigns, or really any campaign for that matter, uh, around how you can pitch it to management and get them to allocate some funds for it is to have a clear understanding of of the process you want to go through, what you want to do, uh, but, but more than that, what you anticipate that it's going to accomplish. Um, if, if it's going to be something that delivers a very specific message uh, for a certain time period, like right now, you know, you've you've probably seen a lot of active campaigns messaging around Black Friday and, and the, the holiday season shopping. That's a big deal for our customers, so obviously it's really important for us. So so we're pushing that. Um, the videos you shared uh, yesterday with Ernie around the all in ones uh, that would that was kind of a unique thing, I think, because we timed that with a conference that one of our competitors was holding. And when when we as an organization and all the individuals in the company who shared all that stuff uh, as well on social, we hijacked the hashtag from that conference from our competitor to share our message, to help broaden it and let other people see it. And I, I, I specifically recall a couple of the, the tweets that I put out, the people who are running that conference liked the tweet, the tweet that i did even though we were essentially stealing their audience um so you know I don't, I don't know if it's partnering with your competitor if that's a way to think about doing something like that but it was really creative um yeah. and that was part of what our, our our partner our video team here who created those videos that was one of their things that they said you know let's let's hijack the hashtag we'll be able to get a lot more views uh, we'll get a lot more engagement and, and things like that so Back to the approval process on this stuff. If you if you can articulate the value and what you're you're anticipating, and show some creativity in, in how to do it, it's going to be a lot easier sell to your senior managers to get some funds allocated to a video, to a blog, to whatever it is you're trying to do. Really. True. Uh,
0: I I want to like. Uh, also divert this conversation from the B2B conversation that we've been having to even uh, consumer-focused brands, right? When you're selling to consumers, it's not too different, like I said, you're selling to businesses as well. Uh, and I want to pick a couple of case studies that uh, of, of brands that we all love uh, and, and have heard of. Uh, the first one uh, is, uh, again, a co-branded partnership between uh, two brands that have such a uh, overlap uh, in their audiences and and, and audiences that uh, are adventure lovers uh, uh, that is gopro and red bull so uh, i think we've seen a bunch of uh, uh, efforts uh, or assets that have come out of these two brands whether it is in form of video whether it is in form of events or uh, offline activations or products Uh, Mm -hmm. you see uh, such a powerful Uh, Way to sort of cross promote uh, the brands to each other's audience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and people think of those two brands in particular, and and the first thing they think of is somebody in a race car or somebody skydiving or, or, doing, doing something extreme. Um, and, and Red Bull is that, that extreme kick, if you will, from a, from a beverage, it gets you fueled up to be able to go try some of these things. Maybe it gives you the courage to jump out of an airplane when maybe you wouldn't have thought about doing it before. Um, and GoPro as a brand, it's, it's like they, they cornered the market on a personal studio. Uh, is, if you will, and and everybody can have this camera. You can you can put it on your body. You can put it on your motorcycle. You can do whatever you want with it, and it takes great videos. And and it gives them the ability to to, to tell a story, to share an experience with other people. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm probably not the kind of person who's going to jump out of an airplane. Uh, That's just I don't I don't mind flying in them, but I'd rather just step out of it and walk onto the ground. Um, although there's a little bit of a thought that that it might be exciting just to experience at once that free fall feeling and realizing i'm going to be okay when i land um but you know i for for a lot of people that's what gets them going every day they they want that rush of excitement and if it's going down a mountain on a bicycle or, or going 200 miles an hour around a racetrack or whatever both gopro and red bull seem to have harnessed that market really well and fuel the excitement that people have around those things
0: absolutely uh, another beautiful partnership that came out and it's, it's not just about uh, co-sponsoring an event or producing a video together but this is this goes uh, like to the level of having sold products together uh, and and this uh, partnership that i'm talking of is between uh, a furniture brand and a mattress brand everybody's heard of casper and uh, as a mattress and and uh, I think, uh, they have, I don't know, they've been selling a lot of those mattresses over the years. But uh, this case study talks about uh, when uh, they launched the 100-day 100 100 day, uh, tryout period and, and they still did not see expected adoption rates uh, where people still wanted to possibly roll into a mattress before they made a purchase. Uh, that was the time when they were able to partner with Bested. Uh, which is a, a furniture brand. And uh, I think West End went ahead and put these mattresses on their furniture and let customers experience them uh, before uh, making a purchase while they were able to sort of advertise for their own uh, bedroom furniture. And right. both of them saw like a uh, uh, rise in the sales figures. So it worked beautifully for both the brands.
1: Yeah, you know, that I think about that as, as a really brilliant partnership and a brilliant marketing strategy, because what they really did was commoditize sleep. I mean, it's, it's something we all need that we all do every day, but but the way they marketed it and the way they they put everything together. It, it's almost like people crave it. Now they want, they want their sleep because they know they're going to be very comfortable when they're laying in their bed at night and, and or or sitting on their bed watching a movie on their TV in their bedroom or whatever. They it's, it's, they've, they've built it around the mattress and the furniture in such a way that, that people want to do it. It's something that they really desire. I mean, it's not just a, a must have anymore. It's, it's a want to do it. It's more of a luxury, although, you know, Everybody needs sleep, but you can sleep anywhere if you think about it, but why not do it comfortably, right? True, true. Very true. Talking about brands that we love uh, or, or marketing
0: efforts that uh, that we've seen uh, and appreciated, I also want to ask you this question uh, about uh, the kind of marketers uh, that you admire when it comes to uh, people or brands uh, that, that are doing well Uh, or or the kind of people that you follow on LinkedIn, et cetera, for the work that they do. Uh, This is the right time to give a few shout outs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And there's there's a couple, there's probably three three people maybe that come to mind pretty quickly. Um, One is a guy named James Buckley, um, and he always uses the hashtag SayWhatSales. I've known James for probably seven or eight years now, watched his career grow through several different companies, um, and very recently, probably within the last year or so, he started working for John Barrow's training company. Uh, so James is out there. He's helping other organizations learn how to do sales the right way. But what I really appreciate about the way James does things is he's out there every day posting a video on LinkedIn and on, on Twitter. And it may be a 30 second and a one minute video of just him holding his phone up, walking through his yard. But he's delivering a great message that really resonates well with people where they can understand what it takes to become a salesperson, what it means to be a good salesperson, and how to build relationships with your customers. And he does that every single day. And he's very—he's really casual about it. He's very genuine about it. And, and you can tell that it comes from the heart with him that he's super passionate about it. Um, the, the, the second brand or person that comes to mind is um, the company Specket. They're, they're relatively new into the Salesforce ecosystem. I met their founder, Melanie Filet, probably two and a half, three years ago, just as she was getting ready to launch the product. And we had some great conversations at a conference we both just happened to be at around what she was trying to do, what value she thought it would bring to Salesforce administrators and end users. And the conversations that she and I had were all around, how can she help spread her message? How can she get it? more widely known in the Salesforce ecosystem. And of course, me being the guy that I was then, I said, you ought to come to Midwest Riemann and sponsor the event and participate in our demo jam because that'll give you time right in front of everybody who's there just to demo your app. They'll see what you, you were talking about. They'll understand it. They'll get it, to experience it firsthand. And she did. And you know, we we do the demo jam just like Salesforce does where the, where the audience votes on a winner. Well. Speckett didn't win because she had some awesome competition with some other companies, but they were really close. But it really helped, I think, launch launch the company to a new level where they got a lot more engagement from Salesforce customers and, and helped them grow. Um, and then the the third person that I wanted to give a quick shout out to is, is a friend of mine named Nicole Paradise. Uh, she works for, I believe it's ADP and customer experience, but she has been her own brand and been out there uh, marketing the things that she loves to talk about, which is all around customer experience and branding and marketing. She's been doing that for years as an individual. Um, and and I met her, actually met her through Melanie, uh, through Speckett, because um, Nicole is uh, is one of the investors, was one of the early investors in Speckett. Um, so, and she has helped guide them on their journey. But just just getting into conversations with her, even if it's around How's your day today, or or what's the view out your window look like today? Uh, or watching watching Nicole and her family move from San Francisco to New York, to New York City about a year ago, and, and understanding why they chose to do that gave me some insight into the way she thinks as a marketer, uh, and and she shares that through some of the talks she gives and things like that as well. So I, I think the common thread among all these people is that they're really passionate about their specific product and their specific motivators, but they're also really passionate about sharing it with others and helping people see the good in what they have and what their own businesses can do.
0: I, I think the same qualities that I see in you as well because I've heard stories of you now and uh, I hope uh, this relationship that is started because of this podcast also, uh, we're able to continue this for uh, time to come, right? Absolutely. Uh, so thank you so much uh, eric for taking time out uh, and uh, joining us on the episode uh, i'm i'm sure it's 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 a busy uh, time right now because you're working towards uh, marketing for the holidays uh, and 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 this is a time that i'm sure uh, everybody on the team will be packed uh, with a lot of stuff on the plate but uh, i really appreciate uh, that you were able to sort of spare this time to uh come on the podcast and not just that also sort of uh, have these conversations about what we uh, plan to talk and and uh, uh, sort of also record these promos and things like that so again uh we are we, we are all about videos we, we love videos and and uh, whether it is the uh, uh, promo whether it is uh the post content that's going to come out of this podcast, uh, those mini clips and the quotations, et cetera, all the shout outs that you have made. Uh, we will ensure that these videos reach the people that uh, we've uh, like mentioned on the video. So I hope we, uh, my my, uh, my team will be working on this and we are able to get these uh, messages and the sentiment across to the people that uh, you just gave a shout out to as well. Uh,
1: so that's yeah. fantastic. I, I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity. It's been a fantastic conversation.
0: I'm, I'm glad you feel that way. And uh, I appreciate it more than I could say. So thank you so much, Eric, once again. And for the rest thank of the people uh, who've been watching uh, us on this conversation, uh, I'll be uh, we'll be out for this weekend because uh, it's the Pavali in India. So uh, I'm in... Uh, I'd like to give this wishes, uh, use this opportunity to wish everybody uh, a very happy Diwali uh, from the entire Madover videos and the Guts team, right? Uh, And uh, the same goes to uh, people, uh, specifically people who who are not in India and are still celebrating Diwali wherever they are, whichever part of the world they are in. Uh, So I'd like to give the uh, wishes to them as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. I'll be back with another episode on Madover Videos Podcast very soon.